still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Kind of speaks to us, right? Testimony. doesn't say sermon there. doesn't say worship leading. It says testimony. It's the words of our testimony. Um, in, in 2 Timothy 1.8, it says, Therefore, um, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but sh- um, share in suffering um, for the gospel by the power of God. Um, talking about those that the, in Revelation um, and they, uh, Revelation 12, 11 says, and they have conquered um, him, meaning him, the, the one of the world, uh, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. And maybe one last one here. Luke 8, 39 says, return to your home. So after someone was healed, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So this is what we're doing today. It's a testimony Sunday. And I, I'm, I'm kind of titling that because I think we need to have more of these. Every so often we need to have a testimony of what God is doing. Um, and now this isn't your testimony, like we're not going to sit there and go, uh, I mean, it can be, that, that is a testimony. We don't have to sit and, and, and say, hey, this is what happened when I was saved. You know the testimony, we used to do that, evangelism explosion, those kind of things where you would tell people your testimony. It can be that, but there are so many different little testimonies in our life of what Jesus has done for us, healing that has happened in our lives. Um, so that's all I'm going to throw out about that, I'm going to give a little bit of ground rules. Okay, so um, you've been in small groups before, and there's usually a rule that's, um, that's declared at some point, the two-minute rule. Have you ever heard the two-minute rule? Now, I'm not going to give you two minutes. Come on, if somebody's really sharing something and everybody's <laughs> tearing up and, and it's a really good story, keep going. But if it's something where it's like it, it, it's kind of going, you've said your testimony and it kind of keeps going, maybe you're getting nervous and you're just... Like, I'm a nervous talker. I, I just keep talking. Um, so sometimes I need people to say, okay, get down. go sit down. Go sit down. Um, but I'll nicely say, okay, that's great. I'll come alongside you um, just so you can wrap it up. Um, but I, I, I want to give opportunity for you to share whatever it is that you're going to share, that, that testimony of what God has done in you, in our church, in somebody else's life. Maybe you have a story that, that of somebody that's no longer with us. Maybe you have a story of something your child did. That's a testimony. You know, children say the darndest things, that whole thing. So I want to give that opportunity, um, and then then we'll we'll take off for the day. I might share a couple other songs in here if it feels like um, there's a moment to put it in there. Um, But we have no agenda. This is one of those, we make our plans, and God directs our steps. Okay, so we have a microphone up here, and if you want to come up and do that, if you have a hard time coming up, you can just raise your hand, and Sarah, the intern, back in the back there, she's got the microphone, and and it's a wireless microphone, so you can be heard, and the main reason why we want to be heard in this, and I'm hoping that we're recording, um, is so, um, you need to understand, we have some of our own that are listening to us every week, Dennis and Cheryl, hi, Dennis and Cheryl, 
Anyway, um, are listening, listening to us every week, and they're going to hear these stories because we'll be recording them, and we'll be recording them for posterity. They'll be online. People can hear our testimonies. Um, and, and so it's not to make you more nervous. That's <laughs> we don't have millions on there yet, okay? We're working on it. But um, just giving an opportunity for us to keep those stories, to share those stories even more, those stories are going to have... Uh, they're going to have more mileage than we might have. Um, and we'll be able to share this with our, our, our brother and sister, wherever they're at now. Um, hopefully it's not raining, wherever they are. They've had a lot of that. They don't need any more rain. So um, without any more ado, um, I just want to clear the floor. If anybody has a testimony, you want the microphone? Huh? No, this is for everybody. Fathers can start it out. How about that? Anybody got a testimony? Come on up. Oh, he beat you. Yep. Well, I grew up in church, and uh, but I was on vacation one time, and I just I was on vacation one time, and I just was really seeking the Lord, and uh, some Christians they were having a conference there, and they. They talked to me and led me to the Lord, and I just felt, just walking around, just feeling just so peaceful I never had before in my life. And Jesus came into my heart. My name is Miss H. That's what the kids call me at school. Um, Most of you have known me since I was in middle school. And um, you guys are all just like extended aunts and uncles and grandparents to me. Uh, But that has also meant you have seen me walk through a lot of medical issues over the years. And, um, you know, starting in my junior, my freshman year of college um, and being diagnosed with my first of three autoimmune disorders. And um, them me having to come back from Spokane because they had changed my medications every six weeks for nine years and my body went into shock and I couldn't work anymore and um, I was sleeping 18 hours a day and going through where they thought I had lupus um, and it turning into rare arthritis and you guys have always been there for me. I remember there were weeks I walked into church and people looked at me and said, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm here. You know, there, there are times I can't make it to church. I'm in too much pain or I'm just so exhausted, but you guys have always been there for me and been a support system and have always understood that there are things beyond our control. And I don't know how many times I've sat there and sung, uh, you know, Though I'm walking through the valley and the shadows all around. You guys all know that song. And I've just laid there and sung that and realized that God is always with us, whether we necessarily feel him in that moment or not. He's there and he's going to make us through. And being a teacher and being in the schools, I'm constantly sick with three autoimmune disorders, among other things. And guess what? This year, I'm 
missed very few days of school. The least amount of days I have ever missed. And so I feel absolutely um, just grateful and thankful for that. And I know some of you guys have been praying for me for years, and I just want to thank you for that because I feel like it's finally paying off. That doesn't mean the devil's not going to come back and give me something else. He likes doing that. But I feel like it's really coming to fruition of where the Lord wants me to be in my life and where I can minister to others. So, thank you. It's good so far. <laughs> Make sure to say who you are. <laughs> Mickey Crow, but this is going to be really quick because it's not for me. I want to share with you how I feel prayer is so desperately important. We have been praying just recently for Marilyn Tupper's sister, and she went to the, <clears throat> two weeks ago, she had a valve replacement, and then uh, two days ago, her heart started having another AFibs. So they rushed her to the hospital, and guess what? Her heart. We were praying, and her heart took care of it itself. Mm. This has happened twice since we have prayed for the same thing. Our prayers were answered. And so don't ever give up. Prayers are so important. that. Um, I had surgery 12 days ago, and um, I had my checkup on Friday, and my surgeon was surprised at how um, I had ever been recovering. And I was able to share with him that I was covered in prayer. Jeremy prayed with him before we went into surgery, and I felt the prayers um, from you guys. And um, I was off all of my pain meds in three days, and I have been sleeping good, and I'm you know, there's a few little sticky points of sitting down and standing up with abdominal surgery, but it is not me. It is the Lord. I know that he healed me, um, and I just wanted to give testimony to that, that like Mickey says, prayers work, and Jesus heals. So thank you. I'm Charlie Cruikshank. Um, in lieu of this being Father's Day, I'm going to tell you a little story about my dad and Jesus. Um, dad became, uh, had a re personal relationship with the Lord in when he uh, was an adult. So he didn't really grow up being a Christian. But he believed it. He decided, okay, well, let's put this to test. Dad was a... Um, signal maintainer for Burlington Northern. And uh, for those of you, real quickly, the um, signal maintainers, what they do is they uh, control the signals on the train tracks which control the traffic. Um, unlike car traffic, you know, where you have two lanes oftentimes, most of the time there's only one track. 
there's sightings at different places. And so the signals control that traffic. And what he did was he controlled, he, he uh, repaired and, and fixed those signals. Um, but uh, he would often get called out. As we all know, mechanical things, electronic things, they fail at times. And he would often get called out in the middle of the night uh, to, to make a repair, to fix something. It wasn't working right. And, uh, <clears throat> and that would entail, he would be going out, but he would know that yeah, there was a large distance, maybe 10 miles of where the trouble could be happening. And so he got to the place where he would say, Lord, you promise, you promise your goodness. You promise being there with us. So I need you to come along. And he would just talk to the Lord he was, as he was going out at night. And he would say, Lord, I, I need you to help me here. Let's find where this problem is. Well, he, it became pretty common that he would find the problem pretty quickly. And, and they'd get trains running again. And of course, trains stopped for any reason on uh, having red signals. That was money, you know, and so they were, it was a big deal. Um, and, but he got kind of a reputation because trains, uh, even though there's the engineers on trains, they're not local. They're anywhere from Seattle to Chicago that they travel back and forth with these trains. Uh, but it got pretty well known that when you got into a certain area, if there was a trouble, hey, the, the engineer has contact with a dispatcher, which works I'm sorry that it's, I'm being worky here, but uh, this dispatcher is much like a controller in an airport. And so they control a bunch of other track, and they tell signals when to work and when to not. They, move, they tell the trains when to go. So um, the, the engineers would call the dispatcher and say, you know, then it, the dispatcher was in Seattle, and he would say, hey, call Charlie Crookshank. He, uh, he is able to fix things quick. And, and it was always because Dad, as he was going out in the middle of the night uh, to fix things, he would be praying, saying, Lord, I, I really need your help here. Uh, but one time, one night, he got called out in the middle of the night, and the dispatcher called him and said, hey, I know this is not your area. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a, um, there's a Cascade Tunnel that's about eight miles long uh, that goes through the Cascades. And on this eastern end of the tunnel, they've got these big, huge doors that close um, after a train goes through, if it's going westbound, it, it lets the train go through and closes. Or it closes uh, on a westbound train or on an eastbound train coming through. And then there's these big fans inside that blow air through the tunnel, eight miles long, and then it keeps the engine cool. Um, well, 
one winter night, the doors wouldn't open. And so they had this train waiting. And the, the engineer said to the dispatcher on, over the radio, says, um, why don't you call Charlie Crickshank? He often can take care of things like that. Well, that, they have electricians that do that kind of work, and that wasn't really his thing. But he got a call from the dispatcher to come and fix this thing, see if he could. The dispatcher uh, said, you know, I realize this is not your area, but could you come out and take a look? And Dad said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come out. It's about an hour's drive up there. But as he's driving up there, he's praying, and he said, Lord, I have no idea. I have no idea what is wrong with this. This is not what I work in. Um, and he got there. It, oftentimes when he was going to a problem that was something in his area of expertise, he would get an inkling. The Lord would just give him a little inkling about, go check on this or go do that. But this particular time, he didn't get any inkling. He didn't know what to do at all. And so, you know, he was praying still that the Lord would, would work with him, would help him. He came walking up to the doors, and sure enough, on this big tunnel, these big doors are closed, and, and uh, they couldn't get the train going. And He looked at it and... Uh, didn't really know what to do. Other guys were working on checking on this and checking on that. And out of kind of disgust, he went over and just kicked this chain that it was a chain drive that opens the, opens the doors. Well, he kicked the chain drive, and it later found out that it activated some kind of a pressure switch or some kind of a little, little micro switch or something that open the doors <laughs> and the train was able to go through and the guy says the engineer says see I told you you called Charlie Crookshank <laughs> and he went thank you Lord <laughs> but the reality is is that that's real life Jesus really is real he is real in every one of our jobs right with us and uh, it's something that we can count on, him being right there. Amen. My name is Gretchen, and uh, this is about my father a little bit. Um, he died when I was 15, and I blamed myself because we'd been fighting for several weeks. And I'd been mad at him. And so it was real hard on me. And then it, about a month later, I went to church camp for teenagers, which I had never done before. And that's where everybody tried to help me with my feelings and how I was getting along after he had died. And I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I felt so much better and got rid of the blame for, for that. And... Uh, so I think that Jesus had it all in mind all along to have it go that way. I'd always gone to church, but I hadn't ever made the acceptance of Jesus into my heart until then.
I do? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, great, now that's on tape. Okay, so <laughs> the reason why I love the words, in him all things hold together so much, is that it's been the story of my life for the past four years, and definitely the last seven months. Um, as most of you or many of you know, um, we, I lost my dad seven months ago. Um, he came into the ER one night. We didn't realize how sick he was. Then the next day, he's intubated in the ICU, and he dies two weeks later. So all of a sudden, we're having to make decisions in a hurry, and my mom has to say goodbye to her spouse after 49 years, and my sister and I have to say goodbye to our dad. We have to hurry up and say our goodbyes, and you don't think you're going to say your goodbyes until you're there on the day that he's dying, and you know he's going to go that day. Um, but he accepted the Lord just days before he died. You know, I didn't have the dad in the videos. Um, he, that he was not that. But that doesn't matter because in my heart, I still love him and I still see God holding my family together. We're having to walk through a lot of huge changes, um, finding my mom a new place to live. Um, and just how he holds, I can't even describe the, the absurdities and some of the wonderful things that I've been walking through with my family for the past seven months. Now my sister, she was in the hospital this week, so it seems like no matter where I am, whether I'm at work or on my days off, I'm there. <laughs> but uh, she was pretty sick this week. She had her gallbladder out. And, uh, and now my mom and I are kind of taking care of her. So in a weird, strange way, we're getting healed a little bit more because we don't have our dad anymore to take care of because he was a full-time patient. Um, and it's those little things that you don't expect that you come across, God, God brings them in, and it's beautiful. And it's, you thank God for them when they do because on the days you're really, really hurting, it's, they're huge. So I just appreciate the fact that I am not completely falling apart. There are days when I do, but if, like, Jeremy was saying, if we fall, we fall into him, and that's okay. So. John Grupp the third. This is going to be about about Dad too. Uh, uh, <coughs> We were just a young family. Uh, I was maybe five or six, and my older sister was seven, and then two younger sisters, three and four, something like that, pretty close together. But uh, uh, Mom took us all to church, and, uh, and this is a little bit about Mom. She was voted the, the mother with the most children because she took us four, and then she'd always have a few extra along, you know, too. And But but anyhow, we had moved from Washington State down to California, and Dad was working in the redwoods down there. Uh, and you know, those are big trees those down there. And uh, it's very dangerous work logging. Logging anywhere is dangerous work. 
and uh, there'd been some logs fell, and they were up there bucking them up so that the donkey, the donkey is the thing that pulls the logs to the loading area. And uh, they said, we got to watch that one up there, John, because when we buck these up down here, that might chain racks and come down, you know. And, and uh, sure enough, they were, they were working on it, and, and, uh, and there was a chain reaction, and this log up above came down and rolled and landed right on top of Dad. And they said, there goes John. There goes John. All that was sticking out was his feet at the end, and they could see the movement of his feet, and it's, that is the last kicks, you know. This. But it had, it had landed perfectly between two other logs, and Dad had run, fell down, was knocked down between those two logs, and there was just enough room in there for, for him. And he, he wiggled his way out of, from under there. And all he had was is some busted ribs, you know, and whatnot. But uh, thank God, because <laughs> God knew there was a young family that needed him. And uh, so I thank God. <laughs> Hi, my name is Mike Andrini, uh, and I wasn't going to say anything today, but since we're telling stories about old times, I thought I would mention uh, a guy who meant a lot to us. Um, I consider him a father in the faith. His name is William Henry Smith. Um, we met him down in Friendship, Indiana. Uh, we used to live in southern Indiana, which... Um, Seems like the Midwest, but down there it seemed like the South. I mean, people talked with a drawl, and they were very much country folk. And uh, it was farm country. Um, we were kind of living an alternate lifestyle back then. So we would work um, for um, putting up tobacco for a couple bucks an hour, bucking hay, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway... Um, my best friend and Kay and I were living in places where we were caretaking, like summer homes. Turned out we both got kicked out of our place at the same time. Uh, my friend and I had done a little work for Willie, William Henry, and, uh, and he found out we were in a predicament, and he and his wife, Della, said, ah, come up and stay at our house. And so this was like late 60s. We had the long hair and the whole... Um, you know, persona, and uh, this is a very small farming community. I think that Friendship, Indiana had a population of like 300, 400 people until the muzzleloader shoot came to town, and then it, it was like a big festival. But anyway, William, Willie was the most um, simple, loving person I've ever known, and they took us into their house. They put us up. I'm sure they suffered all kinds of, you know, um, bad feelings, whatever, from the neighbors, but he just exuded the love of God. Um, and in fact, it reminds me a lot of John Grupp, but uh, just because you're both farmers and you're both bald. And, but anyway, <laughs> they put us up. We worked with him. We built pole barns. We, we built fence. 
And he was always trying to convert us. And, of course, we were um, very, <laughs> very uh, inoculated against the gospel at that part, like, turn, um, place in our lives. Um, and he would sit down with a Bible, and he, you know, he'd say, oh, well, well, what about this here? And he'd read me something, and I would just laugh at him, and I'd say, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. You know, what about this, and what about that? He'd say, well, I don't know about any of that, but I know that God loves me and he loves you and Jesus died for our sins. And, uh, and I was a very proud, intellectually proud person and I just wrote it all off. Well, a few years later, after I'd been knocked around a bit, um, I found the love of God. I realized William Henry was the best example of the love of God that I had ever known, well, in, in Della too, but, uh, and there were people along the way, but um, I just wanted to honor his memory today because he was, I guess, my father in the faith, and uh, God bless his soul, wherever it is, <laughs> and Della, she's still alive. Hi, um, you guys know me as Sarah the intern, and I'm going to be talking about my dad. Um, so my dad is the kind of person that if you have a problem, you can always go and talk to him about anything. Any problem you had, he was there for you and he could help you. Um, so a few years ago, um, I came home from school with my two brothers, and my mom and my dad sat us down on the couch, and they told us that my dad had cancer. Um, a few months before that, he had gotten sick, and there was a lymph node in his neck that had swelled up really big. And after a few months, he went to the doctor because it was still really swollen. And they did a biopsy, and they found a tumor in his neck. And... They, um, apparently is metastatic squamous cell cancer in the throat. Um, that's what my mom told me. Um, and ultimately my parents decided not to do chemo and radiation because they knew that it would ruin his sense of smell and taste. Um, so they decided to do surgery and the doctors went in and they cut open his neck and they couldn't find anything. There was no tumor there at all. They looked all in the side of his neck and there was absolutely nothing there. And they did scans after his surgery and there was nothing there. They couldn't find anything. And they had a whole team of doctors come in, look at the before scans and the after scans, and they were all baffled. And we were just so grateful and it was such a blessing for that to happen. Looks like we got one more. How about now? I'm Jerry Lyon, and I didn't have a dad. I had four stepdads, but they weren't—they weren't my dads. They were just 
uh, people that were there, uh, workaholics and alcoholics and you name it, and really good child abusers and all that stuff that kid didn't want to be when he grew up. And uh, sorry, this can be tough. Uh, and 1978, I found who my dad really was. We started going to church out at Bethesda with my sister-in-law, Dorothea. And I found out that somebody really did love me. You know, I've I seen love of people and love of things. And I could, I could not believe that, you know, that God could love me because, well, I worked at Alcoa and I was married and I'd, I had a relationship with my wife, but I don't know what it was really love. So we had a pretty rough life when I was first married. I was following my dad's example of being an alcoholic real good. I worked at Alcoa and I was, I was kind of a workaholic also, and I worked and I drank beer. That's what I did. And it took me a long time to learn about Jesus. I mean, I was saved, and I was full of the Holy Spirit and everything, but I still had a lot of sin in my life. Had a hard time relating to my wife. I'm still having a hard time relating to her. As everybody knows, that I missed her birthday here this year. It's like, what's up with that? You know, it's like that, that really made me feel bad when I, the women got together and did a birthday party for Phyllis, and I didn't do nothing, and and I apologize for that. But but Jesus is our healer and is our redeemer. And I still have hope that I could be saved again over and over. You know, I've asked for forgiveness a thousand times for things I've done. And I'm going to ask it a thousand more times because Jesus is our healer and he's our redeemer and he's going to straighten us out. And when Mike and Nancy left last year, I had a really hard time with it. And I didn't share a lot with that like some people. I've shared, but when the Saltzmans came, you know, I started to renew my hope again. Then Jeremy and Kelly come, it's like, wow, <laughs> God, you're in our midst. <laughs> and I praise God for Kelly and Jeremy and the intern that's come here <laughs> that she learns for real strong from Jeremy and Kelly because they love people and they love worship and they love God. And I'm just so thankful that God is my Savior. Thank you. Wow, you guys preach as long as I do. <laughs> this is a keeper, isn't it? This is something to do every so often. Because isn't it encouraging to our souls to hear, hey, we're not in this alone. I mean, not, not only are we hearing about 
how people are not alone in their own stories, but we're with these people. And I, I, think, I think it might have been John that said something about how God, he, he just kind of said God with us just in the midst of what he was saying. And it was like, you know, I think of Emmanuel, you know, God with us. And so often he goes with us. You know, sometimes you, you got to ask yourself, am I really taking Jesus where I should be? <laughs> um, but there's sometimes where he goes with us in places that are very painful and very hard to walk through. And uh, I just, I want to uh, I want to release us to, to go and talk more, but I, I think we should just go out with a little bit of a song and um, so we have something kind of going through with us. So we'll-